Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Subscribe at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. As a subscriber, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. Sound good to you? Go to TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. That's TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Watch Texas Football Today live every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, and get involved in the conversation using the hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it's Texas Football Today, a show online. My name's Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live on texasfootball.com, on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitch, or listen to us on the podcast. Twitter. Oh, Twitter. Are we on anything else? No. We're like blasting out to space, too? Yeah, you can't escape us. Or you listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. As soon as we can implant this in your head, we will. Uh, either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She's the Duchess of the Dorks. She's Ashley Pickle. Howdy, fellas. Hello. Uh, she said fellas plural because sitting to my right is the college football insider for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. We're joined by Mike Craven. Michael, it's good to see you. How's everybody doing? We're great. We already did this in the pre-show. This is all for show. We're just you know, <laughs> frauds. We're frauds. Today is Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. 303 days till Thanksgiving. Happy, birth- happy birthday, rather, to Alicia Keys. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Um, she's 41 today. Do you know who she's married to? No. Swiss Beats. Really? Yes. I Man. found that out when I was Wild. looking on her Wikipedia page. I love Alicia Keys. Like, there's not many more talented. Uh, uh, I saw her live yeah. one time. Tremendous. Holy cow. Oh, Tremendous. You know what it is? I think I figured out. If you can play piano and sing, I think I'm into you. Yep. Yeah. Like 110%. Like Nora Jones. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. DFW's on. I'm like, I'm like, you're, you're like, if you can, I, I guess there's like such a, such a, like to be, to get like mainstream popular on that, on piano and, and singing, you have to be so far above Excellent. everyone else. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, you know, John Legend's kind of the same way. You know? Elton think, John. Elton John. You know, to Billy be Joel able is to like, focus cow. like solely on your voice and just like naturally be so good at the piano, I think that's what the most impressive yeah. part of that is. Andrew WK plays the keyboard <laughs> and also sings. Um, anyway, the guitar. Uh, yeah, if you can play the guitar, I think I'm into you. Yeah. As well. <laughs> Episode 1,318. 19. 19. I didn't update that. On today's show, my friends, we are going to talk. It's UTEP Day. We're going to talk about those minors. Uh, who uh, I would say uh, exceeded all of our expectations. Did we ever shout out Barrick Neely for sending us all the UTEP swag? We'll do it right now. Shout out Barrick Neely for sending us all that UTEP swag. Um, so we are, uh, we'll talk about UTEP, the good, the bad, the ugly, and all the things that, that happened uh, with the minors in a pretty pretty memorable 2021 season. In the back half of the show, uh, we're going to do some inside the numbers. We're going to crunch the numbers on the most improved Nerd. Texas high school football offenses across the state of Texas. The numbers might surprise you. That's a tease. It's a dun, dun, dun. horizontal tease. It's coming up here at the back half of the program. Do You're have, a professional. Do we have first four through the door? Barely. <laughs> we sure do. It was Tony Blaylock, Aaron Arbuckle, Rob Hadaway, and Coach Terry Crawford. Welcome in, fellas. Welcome in, friends. All right. Craven's here because we're going to talk some UTEP 
football. Picks up. How many times did you make it out to El Paso? Just one? Just once. Just for the for UTSA the, game? For the UTSA game. Ironically, the only game they lost at home this year. Five and one at mm. home. So the you're Miners. the bad luck. So it's, oh, well. Maybe UTSA is the bad luck. Yeah. Which I guess Ooh, the bad luck walking through the walk through the door. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so let's talk. Let's first and foremost take a, a, a grand look at, at things at, at, at UTEP because I think coming into the year, and it's easy to say this because they've just been one of the more moribund programs, arguably the most moribund program in Texas college football. Um, in the FBS ranks at least uh, to go and to to do that, what they were able to do, and to make a bowl, to finish six and seven, was the final? Yep, final tally. To finish six and seven. No, seven and six. Sorry, seven and six. Finish seven and six. Uh, I don't think there's any other way to describe it besides pretty remarkable. We can certainly argue with who they beat, and 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 the schedule was certainly favorable. But when you're UTEP, I feel like you're not asking how; you're asking how many. Yeah, I mean, you, we have to remember, this is a program that won zero games in 2017, one game in 2018, one game in 2019, Jeez. three games in 2020. So they had won five games yeah. in the last four years entering this year. And, they, and to start out 6-1 and one was tremendous. They beat the teams they were supposed to beat. Mm-hmm. And that that's what you can do at UTEP, right? We're not – we shouldn't put – UTEP, it's almost like Rice when we're talking about yeah. like there there are expectations and you have to measure these teams against their expectations. And if you're UTEP, going to a bowl game is tremendous. Like if they went to a bowl game next year, for example, it would only be the second time since the fifties they've gone to consecutive bowl games. Well, so this is the type of program we're talking about. Dana Dimmels had to build this from the absolute ground up. And I'm I was excited for you know the guys who stuck through those years right if you were there at 18 19 2020 because we got to remember the pandemic hit everybody but it hit UTEP the most because nobody wanted to go to El Paso the city mm-hmm. kind of shut down um, and so they only got to play eight games last year so to sit through those kind of one win seasons a, a season that was pretty much taken away from you and then to turn around and reach a bowl game it had to be a cool year to be a minor well and it also it speaks to you know Dana Dimmel and and credit to and I can't can't believe I'm saying this at this point, but like credit to the UTEP brass for sticking with them because I know we were having the conversations of like, well, you just got to move on. You got to get get out there. And I think that they they looked at him and said, all right, we trust that you're building something. It's going to take a minute to get there. And sure enough, it came out of the slow cooker and it was it was good to go. And, and, and the one of the best years in, in recent program history. You know, it's funny. So people who remember Dana Dimmel's story, he was at Houston for a couple of years mm-hmm. and they got rid of him pretty quickly. He had a Pretty Two years, quick. maybe? Yeah, he had a quick... He finally felt like he was getting that turnaround, and he got fired. When he got interviewed for the UTEP job, he told Jim Center, the the AD there, I don't I don't want to hear from you for four years. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to take this job, I don't. I need four years before anybody's critiquing me about on-field product. That's smart. And this was year three, right? Or mm-hmm. no, year four. Year four. So mm-hmm. this was the year to kind of rubber to road... And he did exactly what he was going to do or said he was going to do. You know, he's from that Bill Snyder tree. He's watched, you know, maybe the best program builder in college football over the last 10, 15, 20 years. And so uh, he did some, some of the same things. A lot of those best players were JUCO guys um, who came in and kind of gave them instant uh, impact. And so, yeah, a really good year for, for UTEP and a program who trusted their coach and let him do it the right way, and we're starting to see the results. I think that's something that maybe more colleges um, could take into account because everybody wants to be like Oklahoma, where you just like drop in a coach and win ten games. And there's not there's ten programs you can do that at. Mm-hmm. You know, UTEP's clearly not one of them. So credit to them for kind of doing it the right way, the patient way, and I think it will 
turn into more years like this. Uh, all right, let's talk about the offense. Uh, let's hand out a grade on the offensive side for uh, for for the miners. And um, you know, remember this was this was the side of the ball, especially recently, that had really been stuck in the mud. They could not figure anything out offensively. Uh, I would say a breakout year for them. Um, you give them a B minus. I do. And again, we're grading this compared to their competition and their level, right? Yeah. Um, you know. Hardison, their quarter, Gavin Hardison, their quarterback, broke a record with 3,200 passing yards. Jacob Cowing was excellent. Maybe the best wide receiver in the state. 69 catches for 1,354, seven touchdowns. That's 19.62 yards per catch. And mm. so uh, really good. They just they were kind of boomer bust. That was the problem with their offense. They were either scoring on like three, four-play drives with big plays, or they were going three and out. There wasn't a lot there in the, in the middle, and that was because of the run offense. The reason I didn't give them an A is because they only averaged 3.8 yards per rush. And so they were in a lot of third and longs. They had to punt a lot. So if Cowing, Justin Garrett, if those guys weren't making big plays early, it ended up being a punt. They're going to have to figure out a way to be more consistent because that will help them on third down, which they were only 31.4% on third down conversions. It will help them in the red zone where they kicked as many field goals as they scored touchdowns. Well, and what's so funny is that passing was not what we expected Dana Dimmel to come in and install. You know, he's a you know he was a Bill Snyder guy basically. Uh, we expected them to run the ball, and where you take a look at where they had recruited well, where they had kind of won their recruiting battles had been at running back, right? Ronald Awad and, and Deion Hankins and, and Q Wadley. You know, those guys to get them in there was, and so that's what made it all the more. I think exciting is the fact that you did have a guy in Jacob Cowing, or Gavin Harrison rather, who stepped up, and a guy in Jacob Cowing who stepped up to form a certified, full-on, dangerous passing offense for the first time in forever? I mean, first time in a long, long time. It looked like a modern offense. Exactly right, yeah. And and that's not something that maybe we would have expected from UTEP. Some of that's recruiting. And then, you know, they were just kind of injured at running back. Like, the Mm -hmm. two guys you mentioned there with Awat and Hankins, like, I think they only played four games together. You know, Mm -hmm. one of them was kind of always dinged up. Hankins early in the season, Awat towards the end of the season. So, they just never got consistent running game. And some of that's the offensive line, too, Mm -hmm. right? Um, They they allowed a decent amount of sacks. Hardison had to get the ball out uh, uh, quickly a lot of time so offensive line in my opinion is the hardest place to recruit for schools like UTEP yeah. because there's only there's a lot of wide receivers in the world there's even a lot of quarterbacks in the world with the way seven on seven has has blown up and stuff like that there's only so many 300 pound men who can move around yeah. and bully people like there's just not that many right. and UTEP's low enough on the totem pole to where that doesn't trickle down to them as much so if they can improve there I think they have a really good shot of kind of repeating the res- results in 2022 a B minus for the for the offense let's move over to the defense and I'm very interested in your grade here because uh, I think that there were certainly you know the defense was not the defense was better in 2020 than the offense was, but I would even say that they took a pretty clear step forward in 2021. And in a lot of ways, some of those games, you know, we talked about the games that they won, uh, you know, the, the games, you know, you win the games you're supposed to. A lot of them came on the backs of the defense because, you know, there were a couple games there where the offense kind of no-showed and the defense had to stand up. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested in, in what you thought of their defense. Yeah, I mean, in their seven wins, they gave up 15.5 points a game. Yeah. In their six losses, they gave up 36.5. <laughs> I 
right? So, I mean, it, it, it was a 21-point swing. And so mm-hmm. that defense was super important. The offense, as we talked about, just wasn't consistent enough to score a lot of points. They could score some quick points and have some big plays, you know, but they only averaged 25 points a game. So it was a lot up to this defense. And I thought they played really well, especially in the front seven. Breon Hayward, uh, Tyrese Knight, they both end up with over 100 tackles. Um, they have a couple guys uh, on the defensive line that combined for about 15 sacks there, com- you know, together. So they were pretty good defensively. The back, the back half uh, struggled a little bit as the competition got better. You know, some wide receivers like a uh, Zachary Franklin at UTSA had a big day and stuff like that. They just didn't have that number one corner. Uh, but the front seven was really good, and when they were supposed to beat teams, right? When they were better than opponents, that defense showed up. But there were some there were some games, you know, against Boise State, against UTSA, uh, where they gave up a pretty decent amount of points. And that's just a talent gap that probably needs a year or two more of recruiting to to catch up on. Well, and what's so interesting to me is when we talk about a defense that was pretty good. Normally, you look at the hallmarks like, okay, well, we're going to go, we're going to force a lot of turnovers. They didn't. They no. they were not they were not big play oriented. They were just pretty good they were second in conference usa in opponents third down conversions like you know they were you know better than utsa right who won the conference at that at that and so what i think is so impressive about them is they won just by being solid across the board the problem is there were some times where they just weren't and they just got out talented and that's when you needed those big splash plays which just kind of never came along yeah that's kind of the interesting thing about their defense this year all right uh, let's hand on an MVP award. Who is the most valuable player on the 2021 Utah Miners? I mean, I think it's got to be Jacob Cowan. I think I would be very mad if you didn't pick him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think he did win our you know wide receiver of the year after the year. I mean, to average over almost 20 yards a catch for a team that lacked big plays, like we just talked about, they lacked big plays defensively. They lacked them offensively as well. If you take Jacob Cowling away, I think they only have 10 plays over 50 yards on the mm. whole season. He was up so, there in the national ranks. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's an excellent wide receiver. It, it, it stinks for them that he you know, entered the transfer portal and is going to go to Arizona. But that, that year that he had last year at UTEP is like an all-timer. And he's an Arizona guy. He, yep. Yeah, he's, he's yep. from that area. Maricopa. So kind of going home. Um, I mean, you look at the numbers. Uh, so he averaged, he had 105 yards per game receiving. That is better than Jamison Williams. That is better than Garrett Wilson. That's better. Remember the last time you were here, we were talking about uh, Tank Dell at Houston. Yep. Considerably better than Tank Dell. I mean, he was he was their big John Mechie. Considerably better than a lot of these guys, uh, numbers wise. He was their big play offense. Like if they were going to hit a big play, it was going to be through him, and and he stepped up in a big way. I could make an argument that the Cowing Garrett wide receiver duo mm-hmm. was the best one-two wide receiver duo in the yeah. state. Yeah, I think that's because like a Texas is Xavier Worthy and no one else. Houston, Xavier or uh, Tank Dell had 58 yeah. more catches than anybody else on the roster. Right there was SMU had a pretty decent um, you know stable of receivers. Quentin Johnson by himself at TCU. Right, there's a lot of single great wide receivers yeah. around the state. Like who's the second best attack? Right, and right. Takama and right Miles Price. Yeah, and so like SMU I think is the only place that maybe had a stable of guys that were better. But in terms of just one two punch. The best wide receiver duo in the state was at UTEP. I find that to be amazing. That is That's pretty wild. amazing. All right. So now, uh, what have you done for me lately? They haven't won a game in months. Um, That's true. Let's talk about um, 2022. Because, you know, you win. Good job. You kind of exceeded everyone's expectations. I think now there's going to be, uh, there's going to be an expectation to maintain this. 
I do wonder, though, about some of the losses that they're going to have, and are they going to be able to replicate that, especially what figures to be a more difficult schedule, too. Right. They, they only have two winnable games out of conference, where last year they were going to go 3-1 with that Boise State loss. This year they're going to play Oklahoma and Boise State out of conference. So they're going to need a, a better Conference USA uh, record. They're going to need to do better on the road. They were only 2-5 and five on the road. So they're going to have to improve. I think one of those was in New Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. So like they're going to have to uh, do better when they travel. And the thing we don't ever talk about with UTEP is like everywhere they travel in conference is a long trip. Yeah. Oh yeah, like nothing's a short trip and for in them, a different right? time zone. <laughs> like they, well, and they're only one in twenty-two all time in the Eastern time zone. That is that was shocking. Yeah, to right. Me. And so uh, they're going to have to get better at that. But you know, you look at it this year. They went four and four in Conference USA, and two of those losses were on the road by three points. They lost FAU by mm-hmm. three points on the road, or FIU three points on the road, and they lost the three points to North Texas on the road. So you know they're right there. I mean, they were very close to having a nine and three regular season. So mm-hmm. if they can replace Cowing, and you're not going to do that with one guy Mm-mm. they're going to need to get better running the football and build more balance and, and the way that hardison can improve is by being less boomer bust i think he only had like a 53 percent completion you mm-hmm. know percentage next year so i bet they sure that up a little bit if the defense can be good as well and they can go two and two out of conference i think they got a chance to win four conference games and get to six and six and i think if you're utep that's that's where the expectation has to yeah. be. The realistic expectation is we reach a bowl game, and any anything on top of that is gravy. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said earlier, if they reach a bowl game again in 2022, that'll only be the second time since the 50s where they've gone consecutive bowl games back-to-back. So that would be a huge accomplishment for Dimmel's crew. You know, the other thing, and, and this is a bigger conversation, we got all offseason to talk about it, but um, obviously with conference realignment coming down the pike, they are in a very tough spot. Um, they're kind of getting left behind there in, in Conference USA. You know, they're going to be joined by teams like Sam Houston, which we're excited about, but then also like New Mexico State, you know, rivalry game during the conference, Jacksonville State, Liberty. Um, it is a a weird look there in Conference USA, but I think that there is a glass half full opportunity there where you can say, all right, why can't you go out there and 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 rise to the top, you know, the, the top echelon of this new look conference USA? Is it a weaker conference? Undoubtedly, right. But why can't you go out there and and become the what Boise State was in the Mountain West for so many years, where they're just out there dominating? Winning speaks to recruits. Yeah, exactly so. right. <laughs> and it's you know there are some things working for El Paso. Like you are mm-hmm. kind of on an island by yourself, and that can be interesting. But the Sun Bowl is tremendous. Like, oh, there's amazing. not a better stadium in the state. And if you add Juarez there, they got about 2 million people yes. in that area to draw upon for advertising money, for fans in the stadiums. And like when there's fans at the Sun Bowl, like, it's a great atmosphere. And so if they really hit the JUCOs in West Texas and New Mexico, Arizona, those type of, of things, and like we talked about with Dimmel and his Bill Snyder connection, he knows how to recruit JUCO. I do think you're right. I think UTEP can kind of become like, you know, what Louisiana or Appalachian State did in the Sun yeah. Belt, you know, where you're you're not going to compete for anything huge, but you can win conference championships and be an 8-10 to 10 win team on a regular basis, go to bowl games. And if you look throughout UTEP football history, that would be a tremendous 5-10, 15 15-year run. That really will, would. And you will be well-fed. That Let too. Let me speak from personal experience. I just remember, I, I, um, I've told the story before, but I did a story uh, for the magazine about El Paso and um, went out there talk, when Sean Coogler was there. And, and he told me, he was like, he just said straight up, he's like, our number one, like the biggest task for us is just getting kids here. If we get kids here for a visit, they'll look around and be like, oh, this place is actually pretty rad. Like, right. it's pretty great. Yep. Um, but that's the biggest trouble. The biggest trouble is just convincing people to go out there. Uh, but, you know, good things ahead. And if you win, certainly people want to go play for a winner. 
one of our winners here, Mike Craven. <laughs> Follow him on well Twitter done. at Craven Mike. Well and done. She's fine work at Texas. So bad. Recruiting. <laughs> uh, and you guys, uh, Republic of Football. Republic of Football got Dana Holgerson on. It'll be Woo! out tomorrow afternoon. So check your your Spotify or anywhere that you listen. I, you can clear. You can clearly tell I listen to things on Spotify because I <laughs> yeah. know. I know. So you you can check Spotify and then whatever, whatever else there else. is. Whatever else, you nerds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm anti-technology. I'm a luddite. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, dude. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbells, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. We'll send you this recruiting magazine. Uh, We will also be nice to you. Yeah. And we may have some fun things coming down the pike. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Pickle. It's Math Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible branding. Nobody's going to want to do that. Nobody's going to want to click on a video that says Math Tuesday. No, when you were gone, that's what we kept saying, that we do math on Tuesdays, and all the nerd crew flock together, and that was like our most watched show every week. Math Math Tuesday. Tuesday. All right, I guess welcome to Math Tuesday <laughs> here on Texas Football Today. We're going to go to inside the numbers. We're going to talk a little bit about offense. You know, last week we talked about teams that were the most improved teams in Texas high school football. We want to drill down a little bit deeper. And, and I want to start this piece up on TexasFootball.com that I wrote. And not to brag, but... Um, Whatever. Uh, but I want to start with this. Mallory and I, I went back and watched this. Mallory and I did a segment back in July about how the um, Texas how the uh, the Im- offenses mm-hmm. were impacted by the 20 by the COVID-19 pandemic yes. in, in 2020 offense took a pretty serious hit mm-hmm. back there uh, they they went from tw- you know they, they basically dropped about a full point and a half per game if you're which, not a run heavy team that doesn't surprise which, me at all how are you supposed to build chemistry across and the entire state is is pretty huge. It's a pretty seismic uh, shock there. I, I and and one of the things that we were pretty careful about in that in that clip was we wanted to make sure that we weren't saying it was definitely from the COVID nineteen pandemic because we didn't know. Right. I think it's fair to say now that it's from the COVID nineteen pandemic. After looking at the numbers After for this year, back, because we saw a return to form uh, from there. For example, in twenty twenty, all the there were there are 1,222 UIL Texas high school football teams that played in both 2020 and 2021 because there okay. were a few that didn't play in 2020, et cetera. Right. In 2020, they averaged 26.7 points per game. Okay. In 2021, it was to 28.4. Okay. It's a scoring That's was up six percent. Yeah. That across an entire state like that is with that massive. many schools to that take many, pull that, from that data group to go six percent more is pretty shocking. Um, so offense was back in 2021. That's for darn sure. It's not just, and what I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about the Rockwall and Rockwall Heaths, right? I'm not talking about those, those big high-flying offensive games. I'm talking about the average game. Right. The average game just had about two, or th- about two more points in it, which yeah. across the entire state, it's across huge. all those games, is pretty massive. Now let's take a look at the teams that made the biggest leap, okay? Um, and if you take a look at the numbers... What I think is most interesting is six-man football kind of dominates us. Um, they dominate them. In fact, I believe it is 
10 of the top 25 most improved offenses in the state were six-man teams. Whiteface, uh, in fact, four of the top five, Whiteface, Mount Calm, Trent, uh, Cranfield's Gap, all jumped by more than 26 points per game. Wow. Uh, Whiteface improved by 31 points per game. <laughs> okay, they went from 22.3 points per game, which is, by six-man standards, really pretty, low, pretty paltry, mm-hmm. to 53.3, which is, which is contending in pretty good. any game. Yeah. Pretty good, exactly right. Uh, to, as far as 11-man is concerned, when you get to 11-man, Tioga... Was the uh, the the clear favorite here? Oh, Chad Rogers. Chad Rogers in his first year there. You know, we sat here. We talked about why did uh, you know why did he leave Denison to go to Tioga? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously he is building something there. They they increased their scoring average by twenty six points a game. Wow, that's shocking to that's go from ten points a game to thirty six is pretty impressive. Roscoe is the same way. Uh, and I think a lot of that comes back to having, and, and by the way, with some of these teams, Whiteface most especially, and then a team like Roscoe, you can pretty clearly point to one or two youngsters who joined. Okay? Right. With Whiteface, they had a pair of freshmen in Ethan Kaufman and Jeremiah Rendon, who really stepped up, two freshmen. And Roscoe is Jax Watts, the sophomore quarterback, who really sparked that offense there for, for the Plowboys. They averaged more than 25 more points per game in 2021 than they did in 2020. As far as the, if you if you narrow this down only to 11-man teams, the top five would be Tioga, Roscoe, Lavia, who Lavia is interesting. They they had they were really hit hard by the COVID nineteen pandemic mm-hmm. in twenty twenty. They didn't play all their games. They didn't play all sure. their games, but they did improve by twenty five points a game. Toller and Shamrock were the okay. uh, were there. As far as six A is concerned, the biggest the, the biggest jump was six A was Odessa. The Broncos, okay. the Brachos, um, went from seven points a game to 31 points uh, per game. Uh, awfully impressive there from there. In 5A, it was Fort Worth Wyatt. In 4A, it was Rockport Fulton. Okay. In 3A, it was Tulia. And then in 2A, it was Tioga. Um, what I think is interesting, if you take a look at the, at the 11-man ranks, the top five are all 2A teams. Tioga, Roscoe, Lavia, Toller, and Shamrock. And what I think that speaks to is when you get down to those lower levels, and we see it in the state championship games, we see it deep in the playoffs, if you have that one guy, if you can have yep. one extra guy, it makes that much more of an impact at the 2A level. I found that to be particularly interesting. If you are interested on the other end of the spectrum, the teams that took the biggest dip were Brooksmith, Sherilyn Pioneer, uh, Hamlin, Petersburg, and Chillicothe. R.I.P. Uh, yeah. to ELM Ed, Ed, Eddie Lee, the Eddie Lee Marburger uh, impact was real. Was. <laughs> Pioneer was down 32 points a game. Yeah, this year. I mean, uh, pretty pretty shocking. Wow. You know, other ones that I think are, are a little bit interesting. You know, we talked about Little Cypress, Mauriceville. They were up mm-hmm. by 21 points a game. Uh, Buta Johnson was another team that made a big leap. Groover, really? As well, yeah. Buta Johnson went from 21.2 points per game to 43.5 points per game. Oh, I'm thinking of Buta Hayes. I was like, they made it to a state semifinal no, last week. Team. I was like, yeah, how? how? <laughs> you're thinking of the other Buta team. Um, and so, yeah, I found this to be a little bit interesting. And, and and you know, it looks like all offenses across the state, for the most part, like as a whole, offense did take more of a center stage in Texas high school football in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were these other teams that really made that big leap. Um, and again, I think a lot of it comes down to having youngsters who are uh, take mm-hmm. jumping into to starring roles for these offenses and, and doing big things. You know, obviously coaching matters as well. That's one thing that I found particularly interesting here was was these teams were uh, were taking big leaps. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I should put some respect on their name. San Antonio McCollum also made a big leap. They went Look from 1.9 points per game in 2020 to 26 points a game. That's um, pretty impressive. That's Math Tuesday for you. Math Tuesday, right there. <laughs> uh, they were tied for with wide for for top in, in 5A. Um, 
So there you go. You can find the piece up at texasfootball.com. The 25, I've got the top 25 most improved UIL Texas high school football offenses. I'm working on a piece for the defenses here, which, uh, surprise, surprise, some of these teams have a similar, uh, a little crossover on some of these. I'm yeah. putting that together today. Uh, but you will have to wait until next Math Tuesday for us to talk yeah. about the most improved UIL Texas high school football defenses. That's a legitimate tease right there. there. That's it. Vertical <laughs> now we go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Um, you gotta have a final thought. Yeah, no, I do. Um, I gotta find it though. Where did it go? Oh, going back to the pre-show topic of you liking the terms y'all and folks. Yeah, it, it has been stated. I'll leave him anonymous so that you don't yell at him. That you also, if you like those two, you have to hop on the yeet train. Nope, sure don't. I, th- I think you do. Sure I think don't. that is a fantastic point, viewer. Yeet? Who I will not mention. Yeet. Why? Like, what? What? Sometimes you what? just feel the need to, to yell out a yeet. Okay, you're, you are taking two very different circumstances and trying to, like, shoehorn in a word you like. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, that, that doesn't have anything to do. Like, if you were going to say another word for a collective, like another gender-neutral collective word, right. yeet is not one of those. No, but I think it's kind of along those same, that's a, that's a pretty country term. Like, folks and y'all are only said by people, like, you don't hear people in New York saying those. I don't think that's true. Yeah. The president says folks all the time. He's from Delaware. That might be a trying to connect with the South type of thing. I don't hear anyone. Like, I've got a lot of relatives from up north, and I I don't think. think, Now, now y'all, I agree with. Y'all, okay. Y'all, I agree with. Y'all feels relatively Southern. I think if you were to ask people, where is the word y'all most? Like, where's the heat map for that? It's going to be Southern. I think folks is pretty universal. I'm wondering. It's not I would, like, it's not like you know, like Pittsburgh, they'll say yins and stuff like that, but they're weird. <laughs> um, I think folks is also more of an older generation. Th- like I think that's a word that's not being kept around well, a it whole be. ton. It's a good word. I do. I agree. I say it a lot. Yeah. But I think it. I think it's a southern thing. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't think. I don't, I don't think any think young so. people up north are saying folks. If you're a young person up north, let us know if you say the word folks. Yeah. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Mike Craven, our college football insider, for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please be your player of the year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow for This Week in Recruiting. Greg Powers is here. Text the ball today.